0: When we think about natural language processing, sometimes it's easy to think just about chatbots or conversational interfaces that we type into, but voice is obviously a very big part of this mix, and voice involves concerns of accents, background noise, and all kinds of different concerns than strictly typed interfaces, and we, we dive in this week about the specific challenges and the specific opportunities offered up by voice applications of NLP. This week we speak with Michael Johnson, who is the director of research and innovation at a company called Interactions, based in Massachusetts. He's a PhD in linguistics from UC Santa Cruz uh, and now works in technology and voice applications at at Interactions. He speaks with us about inbound applications of voice as well as outbound applications of voice, uh, machines calling people or people calling into machines and how we have to work verbally with that, the unique challenges of working with voice, and also when these technologies might be made available to smaller companies. A lot of Interactions clients, just like a lot of the clients of AI-based companies now that are leveraging machine learning, are working with companies that have huge, massive volumes of data, huge hotel chains, huge insurance companies that have a, a huge volume of customer service or sales requests that they can train their systems on, Michael speaks a little bit to when the mid-size or even smaller businesses might be able to get their hands on that. What kind of evolutions have to happen to make it possible for smaller companies to similarly be able to have an upgraded customer service experience or sales experience with the help of natural language processing. So that's what we dive into this week. This is the third episode in our series where we've partnered with Nuance Communications, which is the, the largest NLP company in the world, on a series specifically for NLP for business leaders. What are the critical factors to understand? What are some key applications of natural language processing in business? If you go to emerj.com slash NLP, that's emerge.com slash NLP, you can see the full piece that we've put together on NLP for business leaders, including current applications in great number, future applications in terms of where the technology is taking us, and some embedded case studies of the actual impact that different NLP applications have had at big companies like Coca-Cola and BMW and others. And we also have a little bit of a glossary of NLP terms specifically for business folks who don't have a technical background. So that's going to be an, an excellent supplement for this four interview series here in February that we've partnered with Nuance Communications on. So make sure to check that out after the episode or whenever you get back from your commute or what have you. I hope you'll find it handy and you'll send us a little bit of feedback about it. But without further ado, we're going to dive directly into voice this week here on AI and Industry with Michael Johnson from Interactions. So Michael, I know that voice is a big part of what you folks focus on at Interactions, and we've talked a lot with folks that are in the chatbot kind of conversational interface space, whether it's sales enablement or customer service. You guys are doing a lot of this work with actual spoken voice, taking it from customers, giving it back. Give us a quick understanding of maybe some of the basic use cases and what's possible with voice and NLP in business.
1: Well, kind of a primary use case for voice is is handling calls, handling telephony. That's still a key way that customers reach out to brands. Increasingly, you're also seeing voice in 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 home and in mobile settings as well. And kind of the use cases that all the ones we're engaged with are really to provide an intelligent virtual assistant for an enterprise, right? So you're calling or you're interacting with an in-home device or whatever, and you're getting a single point of entry to a whole bunch of different things that you want to do with the enterprise rather than searching around in a website, trying to find the right place, trying to work out the right number to call, go in, call, say what you want.
0: And my guess is, you know, from a customer service perspective, you know, in terms of how the technology works, obviously on, on your side, you'd have to do some degree of voice to text in order to sort of get the understanding down, Pat. And then there has to be some text to voice in order to communicate that back over the phone. So it probably there there is a lot of the same underlying technology. You just have to be able to, I guess, receive and give the spoken word, which is maybe another layer on top of what would otherwise just be like a text sort of NLP Mm -hmm. process. Let me
1: know if I'm on the right page here. Yeah. I mean, if we start on the input side, right? Let's say you're a major brand and you want to be able to provide service to your customers, right? You want to meet them where they are, the way they want to speak. You don't want to tell them what they have to say, force them to be in a very controlled language, yep. right? So yeah, and yeah. you want to be able, you need to work regardless of background noise, kids talking at yep. the same time, yep. not talking to the system, accent, all of those factors. So that's something that's different, right, compared to the chat channel. You need to be robust. You Need to be robust to a very high level to deal with that. Yeah,
0: accents. Yeah, that's you don't get that in chat, right? You don't pick up no. on background noise uh, with a, with a chat
1: interface. No, people have an expectation that these things should work regardless of those yep. factors. So you need to address that on the output side. There is a different set of considerations for voice, right? Because there's much more branding in some sense on the on the output side with voice than with text, hmm. right, because you actually have a persona, yeah. you have intonation, you can express emotion that you can't really express as easily in text. The voice has to sound right if it's telling you that, you know, I, I'm sorry you're not able to a- activate that feature on your account, it can't sound happy about it. Right? So. Whereas in text you yeah. you can you, you don't see that the same. So there are certainly a series of different considerations.
0: Interesting. And I, I wonder, so you know, you obviously have to yeah, you're right. It's it's not just simply a spoken language layer. There's a whole bunch of additional training and sort of considerations that go into the spoken interface, like you said, additional potentially hurdles, you know, for folks that are trying to solve those problems. In terms of use cases that are pretty common, you guys tackle voice both inbound and outbound. I'm interested in what some of the common uses. Use cases are. I mean, you guys are a pretty big firm, couple, a couple hundred employees or what have you. In terms of primary use cases, for let's just say initially inbound, you know, where my mind goes is I go right to cable service providers, people that get a right. ton of inbound kind of technical calls of that kind. I think immediately about Yeah, maybe like, I don't know, cell phone carriers or cable
1: companies or something.
0: Who maybe would be a good example of a use case? And then how would they apply this kind of tech just to get a representative idea?
1: We have solutions. They're mostly fairly large brands. And actually over pretty much all verticals, certainly telecommunications, finance, sort of devices, hospitality. Uh, One I could mention there is Hyatt. We take the incoming traffic to Hyatt. And then the sort of the use case there is, being able to effectively capture what the person is trying to achieve, right? So we rather than putting them into, you know, please say this or press that, they're asked fairly openly, and then they can achieve things like setting up the information for a reservation, cancelling a reservation, finding out about reward points, and pretty much, you know, there's a, there's a set of key key use cases that they have. Um, hi, that one is is quite interesting because we do quite complicated data capture, so. We will be able to gather all of the information about which property dates, number of people, whatnot robustly. And in that particular case, it actually at that point hands off to an agent because that's what, that's the, that's what that customer wants. They want to be with an agent when you're at the selling point and that's really that really comes down to the customer how they want to handle that
0: got it so and obviously you'd mentioned this is mostly bigger brands clearly i mean this technology is somewhat complicated there's also a good amount of training right if hyatt only had three hotels you might not have enough data about all the different use cases all the different versions of the questions all the different routes you'd want to run people down you kind of need a a critical threshold of volume to even be able to really nail
1: you know a spoken conversation right In general, right? the the way that we perform the speech recognition piece of this, the speech to the text and the understanding piece, the text to to the meaning that the system needs in order to operate is done using machine learning techniques, AI techniques. And you do need a lot of data in order to train those so they'll perform at the level that you need. The thing that was very interesting for me joining interactions and sort of seeing how we're doing things is we're able to operate at an extremely high level out of the box before that data is there because rather than being solely a purely an AI solution, it's a blend of AI and human intelligence. So when you you start off, there is a, a business of discovery and working out, you know, okay, what are these phase of things we're definitely, trying to handle um, here? But, the, but we do not, yep. we, can, we can launch without actually having speech data in a particular domain, and then we'll rely more heavily on the real-time human assist piece, which is basically, it's not an agent, it's analysts who are able to assist the AI in making, basically in doing speech recognition and understanding. And then that, every single time they do that, it's more data, right? So um, there's yeah, a ramping, that, there's a ramp that happens, which was fascinating, you know, for me initially coming more from the, the side of full automation. To um, see sort to, of this training
0: and ongoing learning aspect, right? That, yeah. that sort of different take yeah yeah
1: and, it's and so my I, guess you know, is so i actually came into two interactions from at and the speech and language team from at and joined interactions through acquisition a few years ago and we would use there's this technique called wizard of Oz, right which is used to simulate interaction with the system in order to get high quality data and then basically you know what interactions had done was Wizard of Oz at the largest scale that it's ever been done, right? For real traffic. And can, you, can
0: you simplify the term Wizard of Oz? Sorry, just for the, the so folks Wizard of Oz, tuned the, in. You know, no, if you were, were going to, the, yeah, the,
1: the, the, you know, there's the Nutshell. behind the curtain, right? So yep. what you do, what you do is you create a system. It's usually done experimentally. Someone comes in, they interact with the system and they usually, they don't know that there's somebody in a remote location or in the next room who's actually assisting the system. You might not actually, for example, be doing speech recognitions. You could think of it as, oh, somebody's typing in an in hitting button. Okay, yep, understood, understood, Understood. yeah. So that was from the the founding Interactions has done was basically say, well, rather than have agents pretend to be robots by reading a script, why not have people interact with an automated system and at the key moments when you need human intelligence, use them for that. And then, you know, kind of, what the AI team the AI researchers that came over came over at that point have been able to do is take all of that data and then build models build speech recognition models build natural language understanding models so that the system is actually operate at high levels of automation cool. the key thing about it is you get amazing data because from the beginning people don't try to adapt right if you call one a system and it doesn't work or naturally we do this with each other as well but certainly people do it with automated systems they start to simplify what they say. They don't try to yeah. do anything complicated. They say, let me break it down. Let me see if I just say reservations, if it'll work, right? But if you can have it work well enough from the beginning, you get to learn what do people actually want to say? How do they want to say it? How complex of a thing are they willing to try and do? They don't really just want to say reservations are agent, or agent or, you know.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Is there something more nuanced
1: here? Yeah. yeah.
0: Obviously, as, as you had mentioned, it sounds like there's some structure on the front end. I'm just going to try to nutshell a little bit of this, and, and we can talk a bit about the future, yeah. too. There's some structure on the front end of where do we want to route people. And the way I think about this, Michael, and you might have a better analogy, is you know I imagine the systems I've called in the past that have said, for this option, click one, for this option, click two, whatever. Instead of doing that, basically, you just have to have a system ready to catch those words. So you have to say, okay, here's our eight normal use cases. And here's the however many variations of ways people bring those up. We need to handle those. And then from each of those, and so there's maybe a bit of a tree to think through initially. And then from there, you're taking in the information. And then maybe when the system can't make a decision, humans help make the decision. And you use that to continue to improve the system to hopefully bring you to higher levels of autonomy. Am I on the right page? or there maybe some critical factors here that, that
1: we, we no, whiffed that, on there. That, that's a lot of it. You have to sort of work out a specification of sort of the key things that you want to cover. The human assisted solution enabled you to handle those very well before you have sufficient data for training, strong speech recognition, and language understanding models. There's another sort of piece beyond that where you, you know, it may be in, in an early phase of deployment of something, some intents which are not some capable, some things people come call in and try and do. They'll be routed to an agent, right, because there isn't coverage for those yet within sort of the conversational capability of the system. And that's also something an automated system can do. And it's also something that a human can assist in because they can indicate this is something that doesn't match what I have, the options that are available to me, and then make that transfer to agent.
0: We couldn't expect a machine learning system to
1: to know everything.
0: So it makes sense that you would have options to route things to an agent. I think customers obviously would appreciate that. I guess where this might take us next, Michael, is the last question, just being wary of time but interested in in your thoughts here. You've been with Interactions for a bit now, and clearly you guys have a lot of thoughts about where the future of this technology is headed. I think there's probably a lot of our listeners who are curious as well about a few things. Number one, what are some of the changes that might be underway in the coming years that might sort of improve this technology, what might that open up for? Or maybe also along the same lines, are there changes to the core tech or to the approaches that might be coming down the line that might make this sort of technology accessible to companies a little smaller than Hyatt? You know, are, are there things sure. that might sort of affect broader adoption access? Um, and I'm interested in your, your perspective there.
1: Yeah. So starting with the first one, I mean, things that are coming, right? Yes. We've been going through a period of rapid improvement of the core technologies like speech recognition and understanding. And one of the things I see that doing is rather than, okay, the problem's solved and that it does everything, what it's gonna mean is you're gonna be able to do more and more. Because today, typically, automated systems only do a small portion. Right. For example, what an agent or a representative would do. Right. It yeah. can deal with certain types of things. OK, you want to do this, you want to do that. And then there's a lot that can not be done that's more that's more complex. So I think as the technology improves, sort of also the way we blend in human assist, things like that improves. What's going to happen is you're going to see more fulfillment, you know, we'll handle more difficult things. Uh, what when people typically think of a voice assistant, they might think of the, the assistance that you have on your phone. Right. Or, or what not the in-home assistants, a lot of those are very much call and response. You ask a question, you get the weather forecast, et cetera. You send a text yep. message, you set an alarm. The enterprise virtual assistants that are starting to be built, the, the ones that we deploy today, do more than that. They'll take you through a series of steps to try and work out you know, what's going wrong with your service, helping you to enroll in a medical plan. There's a lot of things, they're quite complex things that they handle. I think as the technology improves, you'll see you'll go deeper, right? So this line is going to move and you're going to be able to automate more and more. And and one of the technologies in that is just raw improvement, improvements in machine learning, improvements in the application of that to speech recognition to language understanding. The other thing, which is, is definitely coming now, is people really are going to talk to these things and they're going to talk to things other than the telephone, right? It's like, with what's happening in home. I think we're going to see resurgence of voice on mobile as well. It's like people are getting used to it. They're talking to their cars, they're talking to their in-home devices. But very quickly, what's coming along with that is it's not just going to be voice. So already the device space is adding more and more screens, cameras. So I think Another thing that's going to be happening is this world of conversational AI and bots and whatnot is going to move from, okay, you're on the phone or you're in a chat window or you're in a messaging window to you're interacting with multiple channels. You're interacting with things which can support more than one channel so that have some kind of multimodal capability. And as we work that stuff out, it's going to drive, to, along with the speech recognition improving, it's going to drive us to the same thing which is going to be, these things can do much, much more now, right? It's going to be, you call in, you have a problem with your bill, rather than trying to explain which transactions is the system's going to be able to just show you the bill. And you're going to be able to point at the thing and say, this one, I, I never made this call. Or, you know, oh, do you want to see the details of your policy? You know, is that a nice room? The device is going to show you the room. <laughs> so there's much more that you can do. And there's significant technical challenges to getting that to work. So I think I mean that was more. I know that was a lot. That was more on the first one, but no, no, no it's on, fine. Right. So you were talking about democratization of the technology, and then have and you know having it applied more broadly. Where you're going to see rich capabilities to handle particular verticals, particular functions, which can be configured and adapted for a particular application, rather than being built as a bespoke service. Right. So you might have something mm-hmm. that handles a key set of customer service functions. And then rather than sort of authoring a whole new system, you'll be just configuring that with your specific data, right? Got
0: it. Okay. Yeah. So not everybody will have to train from scratch a bunch of crazy use cases, like maybe Hyatt will for being a pioneer here. Maybe at some point the use cases of hospital, the use cases of car dealership, the use cases of basic e-commerce customer service will be somewhat baked in a bowl by some vendor And people will be able to sort of license, use, and leverage that existing training to kind of augment what they do, as opposed to needing to be a powerhouse of data creation just to get started. Is this sort of where you're leading?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like if you pick a vertical, you know, food service is one vertical. Mm -hmm. So within food service, there's the whole business of constructing an order, right? I think you start to have capabilities, which in general, AI capabilities, which can handle something like conversationally constructing an order. and then Having that work for Acme Burger Corp is going to be a matter of configuring it with their menu, yeah. their, their logic, and then the solution will work with that. Got it.
0: Same thing might happen for other spaces, you were saying?
1: Yeah, yeah same thing for other verticals yeah. as well, I think.
0: There's a lot of people with their fingers crossed that that will, in fact, happen. I know there's plenty of other big firms that are yet to adopt this who certainly will, but I think it'll be interesting to see what companies start to crack these broader use cases and can then license that out to the middle of the market or eventually even to smaller business, you know, however many years down the line. And it sounds like that kind of templating, if you will, and pre-training is what you see as kind of a waypoint to getting there.
1: Yeah. And I think companies are going to need a solution to this because increasingly their customers are going to want to meet them in all of these different channels. They're going to expect, for example, to be able to SMS the company and have a conversation and get things done. And then if yeah. if they can with one and they can't with the other, then it, that's going to be a competitive disadvantage.
0: Totally. Yeah. And I don't think we've hit the real crescendo of that peer pressure, but I think it's certainly coming and I think bigger brands are pretty well aware of it. So I've got my fingers crossed that we start to see some of that broader templating and adoption. I know there's a lot more innovation to be done in this space and I'm certainly wishing you guys – all the luck in the world this year with doing just that. So, Michael, that's all we had for time, but thank you so much for sharing your perspective on NLP and business. I sincerely appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much, Daniel. It was great to be here.
0: So that's all for this episode here on AI in Industry. I hope you've enjoyed this third installment of our series on NLP applications in business. Our last installment in this month of February, where we've partnered with Nuance Communications, is also about NLP, of course. But this time, we focus on something that we haven't covered yet in the series, which is internal communications. There's lots of opportunities to optimize sales enablement and customer service applications. But what about all the redundant ongoing communication within a company? Sure. Some of it's productive, but some of it is awfully redundant. Some of it potentially could be answered by a bot or at least augmented by a conversational interface that could deliver answers to employees and team members that they don't have to bug other folks on their team to be able to keep up a good and productive pace. So internal communications is what we focus on next. Our next interview is with Byron Gilbraith, who's the chief data scientist at TALA. He's a PhD from Boston University who has a lot to say about how NLP can be used within companies, not just facing customers. Customers, uh, in order to drive efficiencies. So that's what we'll be knuckling down to next week. This is Dan Fagella with AI and Industry signing off.